Canelo Jacobs in the books. It's time to break that ish down. It's the State of Combat podcast on CBS Sports. And the voice you hear is that of your boy, the Brian Campbell, a survivor of six days in Sin City, backed, jacked, ready to go. Still on the West Coast, coming to you from Rafe Boogs' backyard of L.A. this week, ready to break down all things Canelo Jacobs and spin it forward to not only what's next for both fighters, but a decent weekend at the fights coming up. And we got to hear how our boy, your boy and mine, Rafe, did returning from Asia. He's back. He's ready. He's here. He's my co-host. He loves box. His name is Rafe Bugs. Let me lick you up. Oh, baby, it's Rafe Bartholomew, the New York Times award-winning uh, highest-rated author. What do they call that these days? That actually is the title, but it's the New York Times award-winning highest-rated <laughs> author in the <laughs> universe, period. Danny has a stick. No, no Dwyer, no, 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 he no, no, didn't no, bring no. the stick with it him. It was not Danny's night. It, no, 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 no. Uh, Boogs, uh, welcome to the show. This show, of course, sponsored, backed, and jacked by that performance-enhancing audio. I'm washed right now. I'm 40 I've been, I'm day eight on the West Coast, but I'm gonna grind because this week, Rafe, I don't know if you know that, but they had, they have announced that, that, uh, Jermel Charlo will in fact rematch Tony Harrison for that junior middleweight title coming up in Vegas. Press conference this week in LA and do a little PBC face to face. Rafe, I don't know if you've seen my show. My show, Rafe. All right. My show. I've, I, I don't know I've, if you've seen I know, it. I know, I know all of the PBC boxing insiders, especially the best of the best, Brian Campbell. I don't know if you've seen it, but it's, it can be a great product and sometimes it can be an average product based on this personalities at hand. I got, I'm expecting big things from Charlo and Harrison. They can talk, Rafe. They can talk, brother. That's right. Look, Brian, well, you told, you, it hasn't aired yet, but when you when you recorded with Ivan Redcock, you were telling me that he was a a hell of a character. I think as long as you are, I'd say every other episode, if you can if you can drag something that enters the soundboard world, yes. enters the boxing lore, kind of like a Bernard Hopkins, you know, being I was up in your ass for however many rounds, you know, like that that is what Face Off is for. And you not, and you ain't. Yes, stop bringing me Canelo. Yes, yes. Rafe, before we get into the box world, before we tell people five-star review, all right, stop being cheap. All right, you've been eating long enough now. Stop being greedy, right? Right? Pay respect, yeah. That was, that's a DMX line. I, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to, like, it's in my head, like, yeah, I love the first. Keep it real, partner. Give to the needy. I would want to say the first two, but really the first and a half DMX albums were fantastic. Yo, I, I'm the, especially the first one. I mean, first God, one, the, yes. there was some. That, it was something that no one else. That's had the red really album heard. cover, it was a new right? Style. The red album cover with the blood, dark and hot as hell. Hell is hot and something water. I, it's been a long time, but in high school, the, his songs would uh, would basically start riots. I mean, it wasn't from that album, but Rough Riders Anthem could really, really shut down. I mean, call the cops type stuff. When I he- when I hear Prime DMX, do you know what I think of? Do you remember Private Stock, that malt liquor made by Heffen Weffer? 
And yes. they and they had uh they were known for those uh glass twelve ounce bottles that on the inside of the cap there was like a puzzle, like a classic concentration puzzle. You know where I'm going with that, right? I don't know if you know this though, Rafe. They made forties, we we drank them regularly, but right around the time DMX was first hot and I would go to these sketchy ghetto parties in Waterbury, Connecticut. Come on, man. Hey, let's the, keep it let's keep it dignified, all right? We shouldn't well, this is twenty nineteen well, boxing podcasters shouldn't be using ghetto as an adjective well, like that. Well, I'm gonna say that were the party sketchy, yes. Did they take place in the ghetto? Yes. So that it was a sketchy ghetto party. So here's the deal. At those liquor stores they had the seventy-two ounce jug of Heffenreffer. So, like, these are one of these things that, like, I can't ever find on the internet to prove that it's true, but it actually happened. It was a jug that had a hook for a handle, so I would bring that jam to these parties, these ghetto parties, Rafe. And like, when you're walking around a party with DMX playing and you have a seventy-two ounce jug of malt liquor in your hands, girls stop what they're doing. They come over to you. They want to take a swig. They want to find out who you are, Rafe. It was a chick magnet. That is, I would not expect the 72 ounce jug of malt liquor to be a chick magnet. Cause I've been at my share of plenty, just respectable parties, parties that normal people have, block parties, regular good old fashioned good times parties where lots of where I was holding a Colt 45 or a St. Ides. We I remember in high school, we thought we were cool. We we're like, yeah, give me that stiddies. Um, wait, and, wait, you got beat by a man with stiddies? Where are you going with this, Ray? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh lord not that stiddies not, never give me that stiddies man i just meant the st ides the st ides special oh brew. that's what you called it in the ghetto got yeah, it okay uh, no no it was no 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 it was these, i'm telling you these, these are normal this is just because it's a different neighborhood boxing is a hood sport brian i thought i don't just just making yeah. sure you remember that don't let the smooth taste fool you Thank you, Cole 45. Thank you, Dwyer. Uh, well, we'd like to welcome Richard Dwyer into the program this week. Hi, it's Dwyer. The week of the fight. Um, I was talking to people in Vegas about our podcast. Do you know our podcast was described in Vegas as that ejaculation show? Rafe, this podcast, that's such an insult because we'll never jack, Rafe. We won't back up. We'll be there till you can't breathe, all right? That is true, but we do, we, look, I'm proud of the role we have in prop, prop, propagating the load watch movement, yes. making sure that that, 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 happens. And I was, I did, I was, I'm, I was a little bit hurt when I listened to your Akinbarak video Whoa. where the three of you basically declared load watch over. It ain't over, man. It ain't over. Wow. The loads are just beginning. By the way, uh, revisit my collaborations. If you haven't, of course, would have loved that. Rafe, I, I felt there was, a, I was missing something there uh, at, at Canelo Jacobs Radio Row, Podcast Row in the Media Center. And shout out to Golden Boy, by the way, for setting it up, having an organized uh, run of just legends to chat with to, to preview for the the fight. I had a pretty epic conversation with Brian Kenny. I don't know if you listened to that though, but called him out on his stool there for uh for that Pacquiao Bradley scorecard. But uh my point here is uh uh there's two two episodes, a two-part episode. It's not fully dated. Go back and check it out if you hadn't. Some hilarious interviews. One of them Ock and Barack. Rafe, I put them to the test. I know these guys are hipsters. I know they're cool. I know they're they're providing a different look and feel the box. I had to put load watch on them and say, what do we do with this? And Barack, the boxing bully was basically like, I'm going to come to your house. If you try to drop one, you know, <laughs> I, I, I'm beware everyone 
beware. If, if you're out there calling a fight and you're going to say that a guy has shot his load, you may see Barack the Boxing Bully. Yes. So have another load ready. Thank you. Um. So, yes, that was a great time. Uh, and Brian, uh, how way, did we get into I... this conversation? Where are may we I... right now? I don't know where we are, but I just want to say the other thing is that remember how they used to say Seinfeld, it's a show about nothing? Yes. Well, th- this this is like our Seinfeld moment, bro. You know, State of Combat. It's a show about ejaculation. Oh, you don't mean that. That is so disgusting and insulting. Um, look, let's just move on from there. Maybe he, uh, he blew his water. No, he didn't. Enough. I'm, I'm taking a stand for Barack Best, the boxing bully, alright? And I'm gonna, I'm gonna stand up for now. For at least the next, this, rest of this episode, Rafe. No, no. No, no, you can tease the bag all you want. No messes. Um, the point of what I was saying was I talked to people who said, look, you guys gotta get Dwyer on there. And I was like, you know, what do we do? Is he going to be mad? They're like, look, this guy puts out epically long YouTube videos talking box, going back for years. Of course he's going to want to talk about his two favorite, three favorite things. Let's talk math. Let's talk boxing. Let's talk Dwyer. They might not be wrong, Rafe. I, I, look, any of us who are out here working on the Internet, producing content for people, we are on some level – a very deep down level attention whores, right? I think everyone understands that. And sure, if we got Dwyer on, I, I think it would be a, a great, a, a big gift to people, a big gift to boxing. And yeah, hell yeah. The guy, the guy has opinions and I would like to drag some more out of him someday. All right. The other bit of business I wanted to get to before we get into the show, Rafe, is, uh, your, your week or two weeks or a month in the Philippines, bro. You're back. You're safe. You've, you've, you've survived. Rafe, you survived, uh, I don't know, uh, the, I don't know what illnesses they have in Southeast Asia, but you survived them. You're back. Please tell us about your trip, Rafe. You, how, how's life? Uh, it was great. Yeah. It got off to a rough start. My first, my first day in Manila, I came down with food poisoning from the airplane. And then my second day, the capital was rocked by a, 6.3 Richter scale earthquake about 50 miles north of, of Manila. So it was, it was a, it was a, it could, it could only go up from there and it did. I got my legs back under me. I, I was moving around. I was back in my bag. I got to hang out with, I saw a lot of my friends from the basketball world, got yes. to watch a PBA finals game, uh, courtside. You know, I was wow. living big time. Big Any time Americans stuff. in that game? Uh, there were no imports. It's the all Filipino conference right now, but there are got a lot of, a lot of guys who were born and raised in the States, uh, including actually right from right here in Eagle Rock, where I'm speaking to you from right now, Alex Kabagnot, uh, one of the all time best players in Eagle Rock high school history, along wow. with another PBA player, Mark Kagiwa, who's one of the most famous and best players in PBA history. Both are still in the league. Alex was starting for the San Miguel Beermen. Who Beer are, men, really? I think down two to one in the finals right now. Beer men, not the Cleveland Cavaliers. The San Miguel Beer men. What 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 do the Cleveland Cavaliers have to do with any? This 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 is better than that. All I right. promise. Well, if you, you just got to hear Jimmy. If you want more on this topic, please revisit Rafe Books's Pacific Rims book, which is still in paperback, I believe. It's still you bet it is. You you damn right. You better. You All bet right. Is there an audio accompaniment to that? Yeah, there is. I've never listened to it. I didn't get to record that one. I do remember emailing back and forth with the voice actor they hired to do it, and I had to record a, a number of words 
to help him with pronunciation. So I sent him like a little wave file of that. However, the people who have listened to it said that he did not internalize those Tagalog lessons very well. Oh. So uh, my apologies to the, the Pinoy listeners to Pacific Rims who are like, who is this guy who cannot say anything right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right, before we get into all things Canola, Jacob, I have one more interruption for you, and it's a word from our friends and sponsors. Yes, dig it. I know you will. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. CBS Friday, TV's hottest show is Fire Country. I'm not a hero. I'm in orange for a reason. They're taking 12 months off your sentence. You're free. Lady. With a special epic season finale. Now that I'm out, I need something to get me up in the morning. You are a firefighter. Used to be. That will be unforgettable. In the name of your life's happiness, go get your girl. She's getting married tomorrow. Says, when do you let anything get in the way of what you want? The Fire Country season finale, Friday, 9, 8 central on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. And we're back, Rafe. It's time to break down what we were looking at on paper as the fight of the year, the one, the most important one that mattered the most as the face of box. Canelo Alvarez went to Vegas to unify three of four middleweight titles and that lineal crown in a unanimous decision win over Daniel Jacobs. We had some thoughts. We had some expectations coming through. Did not turn out to be an action classic. Did not turn out to be sort of in that lineage of the two good fights we saw between Triple G and Canelo, or even the Triple G Jacobs, it wasn't really on that level. But I think the hate, there's been some hate for it, I think is a little overblown too, Rafe. I'll tell you from being in the arena, it was very tense. Even though there wasn't a lot of action drama, it felt dramatic. It felt like a chess match. Not high-speed chess, but it was a thinking man's fight. Not one that I'll revisit a lot, but one in the end. I predicted a Jacobs win by split decision. I had a lot of thoughts inside me that it could have been a draw. In the end, Danny comes up short, losing 7-5 to five on two scorecards, 115-113. And, of course, 116-112, 8-4 the third. Rafe, I scored it a draw from from not ringside, though. And look, here's a disclaimer, Rafe, right? Even ringside. Sometimes you get a different point of view on a fight, scoring-wise, than those watching at home on the television feed. Different angles. Golden Boy chose again. Again, by the way, to, um, do you want to say, is greedy the right word? Maybe. Put the, uh, the media with the exception of four quote unquote elite media members who were able to stay quasi ringside. And Can pushed, we name them? Uh, there was an Ioli, a Raphael, the AP guy, and Pugmire, I believe, was the crew, the Mount Rushmore that, that got added there. And. Okay, glad. I'm, I'm glad somebody got the score right. And, you know, we sat up into the crowd. Now, is this a great seat if you and your buddies went to the fight? A million percent. I level with the ring. But I'm going to tell you, in person, I thought Danny was – Danny Jacobs, I thought you were the boy. I thought he was landing a lot more jabs than he actually was. It took me looking at the CompuBox stats to go, wait, what? And it took me afterwards re-watching the fight on zone to realize I gave Danny too much credit in that fight for shots – that weren't landing based on my view. I had it a draw. I have not rescored it. I have rewatched it. What are your thoughts? Well, I'm sorry about the ordeal that you went through in 
the the arena on Saturday night having first to world watch problems, right? first the biggest world. fight of the year from a little bit farther away than you're normally used to watching from Brian. And I, I really I, I hope you never have to experience something so traumatic again. Um, but first of all, the people saying this was this fight underwhelmed or or was was didn't live up to expectations i just dis, i flat out disagree it was not a great fight but if your expectations were that if you're heading into any boxing match if your expectations are that it has to be an all-time classic well you're going to be disappointed 95% of the time, there are very rare instances where you know a fight will not miss, right? The Rio Salvarados. And that's usually when you put a few guys who just bang in there, right? This, we knew that both these guys, Jacobs and Canelo, are very multidimensional fighters and guys who are, are also pretty, they let the fight come to them. They are, they're fairly judicious. They're fairly patient. In, 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 and it was really what, the pressure that that Triple G put on both of them in their fights that brought out that extra level of excitement. And that's not to say Triple G is automatically better than them because of that. It's just that he the, his style made for more entertaining clashes, a little bit more drama. This was fought at a really high level. I thought there was some good action. There were really good exchanges in several rounds. Round eight, and especially. Round eight, round round nine. That when when. When Jacobs uncorks that gigantic counter left, that was, it was, it reminded me, I like the sort of symmetry that we're seeing between these Canelo fights because that big overhand left that, that pro, I thought won a close round nine for Jacobs, that big left reminded me so much of the huge right that Canelo landed on, on Triple G in their first fight. It was like, it was a mirror image almost. Except for um, this though, except for the one that Triple G ate, uh, good lord, did he eat it. This one, if you revisit those replays a couple times, you gotta give Canelo credit for rolling with the punch, which he did a lot of. Even that punch, which was arguably the biggest one landed in the fight, damn, Big Red's pretty good at defense. I mean, you gotta he, give him He that. rolls that really well. And, about the scoring and the, and, and how the fight played out, it was, it was not that surprising. I, that Canelo is really effing good. He's a heel. He no sells everything. He no sold every question you asked him in your interviews. Although he, I'm on she, a run of six straight interviews now getting him to say he was born ready. At least, at least that. There's, there, there is that. We have that saving grace, Brian. But the guy, can flat out fight now do i wish that he would do really i i guess you could say that you want to see canelo really step on the gas that in this fight i thought that he looked like the better the the better more talented just all around if superior fighter i thought he was a half step above in class compared to jacobs um and you could say that if you uh, if you are better than like that, then you need to go in there and prove it a little more emphatically. And, right. and Canelo doesn't do that unless he's forced to for some reason. Which, or by the if way, I think an that's obvious opening. And I think that's part of why I ended up scoring it so close because this was a little bit more Canelo of old, meaning not fighting for the full through, not being active enough. Ultimately, you can say the same thing about Jacobs. I mean, he was ineffectively active. He was pumping a lot of jabs that weren't landing. He was throwing. 
shoe shining flurries to the body, but not really with a lot of power. He was certainly had a game plan coming in on that. I do want to get your score though before we go any further. Sure, I scored at eight four. I gave Jacobs uh he he had a couple two round rallies in my view. I think I gave him six and seven and uh nine and ten. All right, I want to say something here. This is sort of an editorial. Uh, look, I, I've put out opinions on Twitter about boxing for almost a decade now. I I am very used to that being an unpopular opinion at times and people coming back at me. I have never received like the stretch of hate that I did for my score on this one, which was six rounds of six, 114-114. Again, I just told you my vantage point. I thought Jacobs was doing a little bit more. I, I, I would like to go back and actually rescore it. I plan to. But still... At 6-6, six, six, Rafe, the judges who were ringside had it 7-5, seven, 7-5, five, seven, five, and 8-4 for Canelo. So 6-6, six, six, not that much of a, of a, you know, deviation from that. And I think we can all agree there were at least five or six really close rounds where not a whole hell of a lot happened, where there was a lot of defense. Because ultimately, Rafe, I think you had two really good boxers who kind of canceled each other out in a lot of ways. They both had really good defense, and they both respected the other person's power. So we didn't end up getting that action because we had such high-level skill and defense and because ultimately, and I want to break this down further, but I'll make the statement. Ultimately, Danny Jacobs came to win a decision, but I don't think he came to win the fight. He didn't back up all of his words of like, I'll get a knockout if I have to. That'd be preferred. Like, he didn't back that words up. He came in doing certain methods to try to win over the judges, but not trying to step on it and win the fight. Now, again, when you make that criticism, I'm not in there taking counter punches from Canelo. It was a very tense fight. But I just want to close out on the haters, Rafe. Dude, people were like, F off, you're blind, like on that level. And look, I've gotten that before, but never this much in volume. Rafe, it's not like I said Danny should have won 118 to 110. I was like... A close fight in which neither man did really enough to separate themselves. Ultimately, Canelo landed the harder shots. He was insanely efficient, landed 40% of his punches overall. I mean, you got to give him that credit. He shows you that he's landing the cleaner blows. So him winning is fine. But even 6-6 six, six with my crappy seats, Rafe, look, people got to chill. You got to chill out here. I think what too many people do, Rafe, is obviously they listen to the broadcast, which seemed to be heavy pro Canelo. But B, they think, to this day, it's 2019, to this day, People don't understand how round-by-round scoring works. I didn't watch the fight, and then at the end of it go, you know what? I thought that was a a dead-even fight. My score is a draw. I did it round-by-round. That just happened to be how it added up. Like, people got to back the heck up. What are you going to do? That's part of the game. That's why, Brian, that's why you are the guy who hosts the State of Combat podcast, a podcast about ejaculation. That's why you get the big bucks. That's why the people at CBS love you. That's why you're there on Radio Row just interviewing legends left and right. And I know you can handle that. But, yeah, I think round-by-round scoring, unless people actually try it, which as a fan, why would you try it? It's it's kind of – I would kind of – I might – Kind of laugh at someone who doesn't have to do that and sit there and just <laughs> like scoring at I'm home. Make a little scorecard here and do this. Thank like you, man. If, you, if you, if you, got the score right. <laughs> yeah, if you, so round by round scoring, even as many times as you explain it, as, as it's put out there, and it is should be common knowledge to people who follow the sport, unless you actually try it with some of these close fights where there are rounds that could go either way, and you do it, and then you come out with a scorecard, it's like, whoa, that doesn't. Tell the story of the fight that yes. I, I just watched. And by the way, the judges, you, I'm you, close with judges. Understand. I'm close with a few of the judges and, and, uh, and have talked to them offline, off the record. And they basically say, look, they're trained. They are trained to forget what happened the round before, as they should be, because each 12 round, each round is almost its own fight. 
You get you don't score the fight at the end. Of the, you know, you score each round. So they're actually trained to forget. So you're not keeping in mind momentum shifts or one guy's landing the cleaner blows overall. Like it's it's three minutes at a time. So people got to chill. Thank you. What? How? When you mentioned that you're friendly with some judges, what, what can you tell me about C.J. Ross and Adelaide Bird? Like, are they are they cool? Are they good hangs in person? That's not acceptable or 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 appropriate at this point. That woman judge who had it even, please, please. That's why I'm on fire because I started thinking about her. Yes, huh, huh. <laughs> All right. Uh, I I find myself. Very, very hot under the collar, too, when I think of C.J. Ross. All right, let's dive back into what I was <laughs> – let's dive in back to what I was talking about about Daniel Jacobs. Look, Rafe, this was his chance, and you have to understand the idea of that rehydration clause, which all week suddenly he changed his tune and was like, not going to be a problem. I did against Derivanchenko. I was fine. I'm going to prove to you guys it's not going to be a problem. And the interesting thing is during that media scruffle on Wednesday where that was said, Eddie Hearn interrupted him and in front of the whole media was like, well, he doesn't have to reach 170. The fight will still be on, and by the way, if he doesn't, I may pay the fine. We'll see. So that sort of opened us up to, like, maybe Danny will be strategic and blow past it. Ultimately, after the fact, he said when he put back on water, he got to 170, but to eat, it was going to push him over 170. He tried to make a healthy decision coming in at, what is it, 170, 173.8 or whatever it was. He ended up having to pay a million dollars in penalty fines. I thought that was going to mean we're getting a more aggressive Danny. But again, it seemed like he trained to win a 12 round decision, Rafe. And that showed in there. Yes. So the, yeah, I, I think that I would, when I saw before the fight on Saturday morning that Jacobs blew the rehydration limit, I, I was, I was like, good for him. You know what? I think he made the right decision. Give yourself the best chance to win this fight. If, if he was going to have to be a little bit weaker or a little bit more uncomfortable in that 24 hours before the fight, screw it. Especially he's getting guaranteed 10 million. A million is a, is a, is a big check to write, but had he, had he pulled it off, had he won, then you, you know, you, you're like, shoot, I'm glad I spent a million dollars making sure I came into this 100%. But at the how often do fighters change who they are, change their identity in the ring as a fighter for a new opponent? Even if you could say, yeah, Danny should have sold out from the beginning. He should have he he should have gone hard and 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 looked for a knockout nonstop. Really tried to both because of the judging questions that were on everyone's mind going into any fight with Canelo and. Because of how good Canelo is and how hard he, how difficult he is to outpoint at this stage in his career when his defense is getting better than ever. I mean, I remember last week I was saying the way Danny Jacobs wins this is to make it look like he's outclassing Canelo to really, you know, to, to have him missing left and right. Well, who was missing in this fight? It was Danny Jacobs. Yes, yes. Canelo put him in the matrix, man. And, and it was beautiful at times. And, uh, did, could, so, so could Jacobs have been more aggressive, had really gone after it, sold out? Yes, I guess you could say that. But when a guy gets in the ring, he, he, uh, most of the time, he reverts to the kind of fighter he's been trained to be his entire life. And that for, with Dan, Danny Jacobs is a highly skilled boxer puncher with good power, but a guy who, who doesn't, who doesn't force things very much. And, and he, and against, and, and to say that a guy should all of a sudden force something against one of the best opponents of his career, a guy who can make him pay if he tries something that he's not comfortable with and doesn't execute it well, that's a lot to ask. Now, there are guys who who do it, who have the ability to sort of 
mentally get around that and just say, screw it, I'm going to do something different now. But it, it, it doesn't happen very often, and we didn't see it in this case. And I don't think Canelo does. I mean, the the most we can say that we've seen that from Canelo is the second Triple G fight. When he did, he came out and he he still fought his style. It was there was still the the counter punching and the and the fast hands and the accuracy. But the the the, the mere notion of of taking the center of the ring and being on the front foot against Triple G was a huge adjustment. And again, you got to give credit to this. Dirty ass heel Canelo for being that good. Jacobs is a puncher, right? Boxer, puncher. Think Sugar Ray Robinson. No, stop thinking that. Um, so look, what I you said is right. It, yeah. Can he just walk him down and, and land four punch power combinations? No. Canelo showed you next, next level. You nailed it of defense, of head movement. Look, the guy's brilliant. The guy's freaking brilliant. Canelo is amazing. Rafe, this performance from Canelo. Even though I'm seeing, I'm seeing some haters saying that he didn't do enough, and you kind of opened the show saying that. I'm not saying you're a hater, but I do get what you're saying. Like, Terrence Crawford would never finish a fight sort of backpedaling to a decision, right? He's going to close that fight out. Canelo, who seemed winded at times during Danny Jacobs' adjustment when he made that rush in the second half, didn't seem to finish strong, yet his defense was so insanely good that Danny couldn't become Sugar Ray Robinson there. I'm just saying that overall, I feel like Danny stuck too much to the idea of my best chance to win here is a decision, which in theory would be his worst chance, and didn't sit down on his punches. In the early rounds when he started slow, it was all pitter-patter, and it seemed like he was trying to get the judges on his side from an activity standpoint. And that's not the worst strategy, but he never tried to discipline Canelo and never really committed to hitting him with something hard that would say, okay, I'm going to change the fight in my direction. What I saw was Danny starting a little slow, Canelo dominating those three, four, five rounds that, that stretch in the middle. And then you got to give Danny credit. Went southpaw, made some good adjustments. Canelo adjusted back. You actually saw a pretty good chess match in the end. But you, if you're Danny, I don't know who, how you can come out of there and not feel like, man, did I really go for it? And, you know, look, what does going for it mean? Give yourself a chance to get dropped or knocked out? Maybe. And when Canelo is operating on such a level that I think Canelo comes out of this fight kind of needing to be ranked higher pound for pound than he already is. I mean, Canelo is showing you that he actually might be the best fighter in the world. He certainly has the best resume in the world. Now we can go, we can revisit some of those collaborations from five years ago with Austin Trout and Arislandi Lara. And those collaborations were not at that. Those were the fights where I would criticize Canelo for not separating himself. I didn't get that feeling as much in although I did see that criticism, I didn't I felt that he actually did enough to really show himself to be a a not a huge gap in in ability compared to Jacobs, but just a better fighter and, and fought a better fight on the night and deserved to win. Um but and yeah, if you talk about should he be higher on 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 pound for pound lists, I think it's a good it's a it's a very it's getting there. And maybe it's all, it, it honestly, it probably already is there because he's fighting better competition than guys who we rank higher than him regularly. And yeah, is he washing them? No, but he's beating pretty much, he's beating them and he's, or with Triple G who we don't, I don't think he beat once. I think he drew once with Triple G and lost once, but still. He fought better against Triple G than anyone else, I believe, including Danny Jacobs. And that just shows you how good both of those fighters 
are, or at least they were. We'll see how Triple G looks at age 37 fighting against dinner rolls in a month or two. Yeah, pizza rolls. Yeah, that's the key. Um, I want to get, we're going to get to Triple G in a second with his new trainer and all that. Um, damn, Canelo's good. And, and again, while there could be an argument of, did he not do enough? Um, I think I'm right when I say they kind of canceled each other out. So he sort of did what he could and his defense was so on point. And at the same time, Rafe, I mentioned that word efficient, efficiency. I think the key to this fight was Canelo was so perfectly conservative in the fact that everything he threw seemed to matter. And although we make the joke or we make the narrative coming in that, well, it doesn't matter if it's closed, Canelo will get the nod. Some of that is boxing, typical boxing corruption, or some of that is typical, this is the A-side, this is the, the money man of the moment, he gets the push. But I think some of that we're starting to realize is that efficient style. Each round, yeah, you land more jabs than him, but he lands the two or three most important punches, and they're well-timed, and they're strategic, and he's learning how to do this thing efficiently, which will only help him age better, that... It's kind of hard to say anything negative about him inside the ring, outside of the, yeah, I thought Triple G beat him twice, and I, and I did, by the way. And he did. He did. You're not, and you ain't. He beat Canelo twice. Yet Canelo is still figuring out how to get better, Rafe, and he's only 28. And that's the thing. I think he is getting better, and you see it in whether you talk, whether you measure it in terms of the his efficiency in his fight, the way that in almost every round he landed – the tell, the most telling blows. Now, did he maybe get outworked in a couple? Does the, that huge shot Danny landed in the ninth round mean, you know, give, it, was, it wasn't a shutout, but Canelo can land his, his, these beautiful clean punches against pretty any boxer in his division or in the world that he, that, that, that makes any sense for him to face. And we keep seeing it again and again and again. He, did he separate himself from Lara and Trout and, and, and Triple G and, and now Danny Jacobs? Maybe not. Maybe not in a, a huge way, but you know what? Those guys, none of those guys looked like the, the brilliant tacticians or the destroyers or whatever it was that they were supposed to be the best in the world at or close to at the time when they fought him. They didn't look, they, they, he made them not look that way too. You know, they, they, that's, and that's what happens when you put fighters at the very top of the sport in with each other. And that's why I think we shouldn't complain about this fight. It was competitively a important, meaningful, significant and high level fight. And we got to see what happens when two of those guys compete. It doesn't have to light my pants on fire. It doesn't have to give me a stiddy, but whoa, whoa. it just, <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> it just it's it's we want to see the best fight the best and and how that plays out so we can determine who really are the best fighters in each division yeah wow it is hot wow it is good going back you're excited no. um i didn't um i skimmed watching it again the, the second time do you have anything to say about the zone broadcast in general rafe i'm going to tell you that i felt they were Way too Canelo-centric, and they were missing what Danny was doing there, even though I like me some Sergio Mora and some Chris Mannix and, and Brian Kenny, who I did interviewed all three on those podcasts last week. I thought they were great. What were your thoughts? So I I I, I don't like to criticize broadcast teams like over the top. It just it, it's, it seems tacky. It, it, they're doing their best in the moment. I there were the things that the big my big disagreement and it, I guess it was a little bit of it was a serious issue. Was there were moments in the fight where they seemed to be, in my opinion, calling some of the action wrong. 
uh, where Canelo would be doing something good, having some success, and instead someone would would mention that, oh, Jacobs landed something big there. Uh, it just was, I think, the overall picture of the fight they they gave a, as a competitive one that 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 Canelo deserved to win, which is how, if you ask me to boil the fight down into 10 words, that's probably what I would say. But there were moments along the way where I was like, what are you guys watching? Um, I think that they were, they, they, the, the, the broadcast team was harping on how the Southpaw stance didn't help Danny Jacobs at all. I, I saw him doing some of his best work out of the Southpaw stance. I thought that Jacobs was a much more effective counterpuncher from Southpaw. His best, and yeah, yes, his second half rally was basically Southpaw. And, and that was when he was able to land some of those telling shots that he wasn't landing from Orthodox. Yes, maybe his jab was better in, in Orthodox. It, I think it was better. And that's a fine point to make, but he wasn't ha- it wasn't creating the openings for him to land punches that were actually going to win him rounds. And when he did, when he switched to Southpaw, he was really good at landing those, those counter right hooks when, you know, like when, when Canelo would try and lead with a straight right. Sometimes it would land, sometimes it wouldn't, but, but Jacobs was really good at coming back and, and being successful with those hooks. And even, even the biggest punch of the fight, that overhand left, that, which, which was a counter punch itself, sort of a catch and shoot style left that Danny Jacobs landed, it was his biggest punch in the fight, I should say, that he landed in the ninth round, that, Right after that, the zone crew said, and I'm pretty sure that was out of out of orthodox. And I was like, I, I rewound just to make sure I wasn't crazy, and it was out of southpaw. So that kind of stuff I I noticed, but at the same time, look, most of us are never going to get the opportunity to do any better. Most of us can't do any better. It it happens. Well, I like and, their personalities. I like what they did. Maybe it was a little bit of an off night, although they had better seats than me. Although Dan Rayfield had a better seat than me, and in round one, in which nothing happened. But I thought Danny Jacobs was busier and landed more. CompuBox tells me that Danny Jacobs outlanded Canelo eight to one in round one, and Dan Rayfield tweeted dominant clear round for Canelo. Well, what are you going to do? It's it's you know Brian, you know as well as everyone else in the press row world the the weird demands of that job because you're not just there to to cover and score and watch the fight. You're there to tweet through the fight. You're looking down at 16 different things. I'm doing a live it's blog. During it, yeah. um, I'm, so what are you going to do? Yep, I, I'm looking down almost half the fight. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm, I'm correcting my spelling errors in a live play-by-play blog. It is what it is, Rafe. We tried the best. It was what it was. Let's talk about where these fighters go next. Now, for Danny Jacobs, the talk from both him and Eddie Hearn after seemed to be Let's move up to 68. We're having trouble making this weight perfectly. Well, he seems to be making 160 okay. It's the whole idea of fighting in the IBF for that rehydration clause or fighting Canelo where there's a rehydration clause. I don't know. I'd kind of like to see Danny against Demetrius Andrade. But if he goes up to 68 and maybe fights a David Lemieux and tries to chase titles there, that's fine. But aren't all the real good 68s uh, with this, with PBC basically? Well, except for Callum Smith, who's at 68 and hasn't fought since winning the WBSS Super Middle Tournament last year, ending the glorious career of George Groves, a man whose hand I would like to shake someday. And by the way, we didn't, you got to meet the Cobra. Holy yeah, crap. Yeah, let's not bury Stop the lead the on podcast, there. podcast, Brian. Tell All me right, about time that. Time out on this. Shout out to the Irish crew, the ADK crew, the Godinez crew. 
Um, so I was walking. So they, they put the, uh, the Billboard Music Awards took over the MGM this week. It was clearly the more important event. They got the better media rooms. We had to use a conference room like deep in the conference center. So to walk, so in layman's terms, to walk from the MGM casino and, and hotel where everyone's staying to the MGM conference room area, it's a pretty damn long walk. I mean, it's, it, it's a hike. I'm walking suddenly. Carl Frotch is next to me. And I'm like, holy crap, I'm walking with Ellie Secpak, who, by the way, great dude in person. And um, I start asking Carl Farage. I make some ADK jokes. I'm like, Eddie Hearn says you have a nose too pretty these days to fight. And he goes, I'm going to be honest with you, I'm thinking about coming back. And I'm like, what? I'm like, bro. I'm like, you got to fight Golovkin. He's slowing down. He's like, yeah, he is slowing down, isn't he? He's like, okay. He goes, well, Eddie might be right about my nose. It is pretty. I don't know if I want to hurt it against him. I go, come on. Kessler just did a fake retirement or fake comeback and then he retired again. I'm like, you got to fight him. He wants to fight you. He goes, does he? I'm like, yeah, of course he does. I'm just BSing him. He goes, well, I just talked to him uh, about two days ago. I'm like, did he say he wanted to fight you? And then Ellie jumped in in that moment and started his video, like kind of unannounced. But I had plans. To get, I had my phone ready. I was going to do the same thing, and I was going to have him uh, give a shout out to this podcast to Alex Godinez, to my boy Rafe, and it didn't happen. I got Ellie. That's all right. I, look, I'm I'm just pumped for you that you got FaceTime with the Cobra. That's that's off. That I think that's magic, Brian. He was. Uh, he's we a, can go back. He's to a very strikingly handsome. Yeah, boy. He's a, he's the boy. That's for real. Um. So if Jacobs goes to 68, I think he could certainly be a player. He's got the boxing skills. He can punch a little bit. Uh, could punch a lot for 60. He didn't punch on Saturday night much. But I don't know. I feel like he can go to face Andrade if he wanted to, and I feel like he's in that fight. It'd be a great matchup. But let's talk about Canelo because here's the deal. We all assume it's going to be Canelo Triple G3, and we're going to talk about Triple G at length more, but how, what a heel move from Triple G on Saturday night, sitting ringside in sun in dark shades and then tweeting out that quote about, like, this was a sparring match. It was boring. Got to give the people what they want. You know, it's me paraphrasing, but it's hilarious. We'll get to that. Um, We want that fight. It seems like everybody wants that fight except for Canelo, who didn't on his own bring up Triple G's name at all. Credit to Chris Mannix, who doubled back during the post-fight interview a second time. And finally, Canelo agreed, well, yeah, look, if, if, if he wants it and the people want it, I'll beat him again. Typical Canelo sort of badass answer. Canelo, Rafe, it seems, doesn't want the idea of Triple G because – he, there's no title at stake, and his trainer, uh, Chepo Reynoso, one of his two trainers, has convinced him that the idea of being the undisputed middleweight champion should be higher on his list, which would mean a fight against Andrade potentially in September, if Andrade could turn around quick after fighting Maciej Sulecki coming up in Rhode Island, or Rafe moving up to 68 again and facing Callum Smith. Oscar also told, I think, Mannix, um, that they might want to do an even softer touch in between for like June if they could. Rafe, I don't know if you heard Joseph Markovsky of DAZN on this podcast late last week, but he sort of, when I was like, look, Canelo's make a lot of money. He can fight whoever he wants, right? Joe kind of interrupted me and was like, well, we wouldn't have signed the deal if we thought that was the case. We signed this deal knowing Canelo only wants to face the best. I don't know if you saw Lance Pugmire's story, but there's quotes in there from Joe Markovsky after the fight saying, of course, DAZN wants a Triple G fight next, and that's what we're going to call Canelo about next week and start. So, Rafe, it's, this could be an interesting little first, uh, first battle in the marriage. Who's going to win? Nothing, nothing, nothing about this surprises me, Brian. First of all, 
Canelo play. Let's remember. Let's remember. Let's let's revisit Canelo's collaboration with Triple G. He played the string out uh, with Golden Boy for years before taking on Triple G. Right? He beat he beat Miguel. Both him. Both first Cotto was ducking Triple G when he was holding the the lineal middleweight belt, even though he was fighting at like 154 pounds. And so who he fight? Canelo, bigger money. Blah, 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 blah. Canelo wins that fight. He gets the belt. He won't fight Triple G. He's fighting borderline bums. We get the Canelo fight. He, they, they, they let Triple G age into what they believed was a slightly more vulnerable version of, of, of Gennady Golovkin with an eye. And you know what? We'll never know if Canelo would have beaten Triple G in 20, 16, early 2016 or 2015. We'll never, that, that, that ship has sailed. We'll never know. We can guess, but that's, that's one of these things in boxing. You can't turn back the clock. You can't fall in love with a fighter or a fight who no longer exists. Um, and, and this is what Canelo does. Like he is, he's doing his heel thing. He's no selling Triple G, treating him like any other opponent rather than the guy who has given him the toughest fights in recent years, who most of the boxing public believes has beaten him at least once. Many, many, many people think that he has beaten him twice and he's no selling him, treating him like just another jabroni without a belt. That is heel Canelo to a T. Does that mean he won't fight Triple G? Of course it doesn't mean that. He's already fought Triple G once. He probably thinks that if they fight again, He's got a good chance of winning even winning a clear decision or maybe even knocking him out as Triple G rounds out into his late 30s and is more inactive than ever and is now trained by Jonathan Banks. I'm sure we'll talk about that soon. Um, so I, do I think that it means that Canelo is going to now duck Triple G? No. Do I think it could mean that, tri- that, that Canelo does fight other people first while continuing to let Triple G age like oh, a fine wine? I would not put that past him, Brian. Yes, I would not put that past Here's him. Here's the deal. The zone, I think, gets the, gets the rubber match eventually. Do they get it next? I don't think so. If anything, I could be, I could see it being a May 2020 fight, possibly even a September ah, 2020 no. fight. No, and folks, that's it not depends. the way men do it. That's not. I mean, I've seen many guys. Many guys. Many guys. Many guys. Looks subpar. Yeah. All right. All right. Brian. I got. It. I got it. Brian, are you? So, if you tell me that instead of fight, that if you that if we get Canelo Andrade, Canelo. Callum Smith. It would probably and, be more likely Callum Smith because here's why. Eddie Hearn promotes Callum Smith. They could do it in England to a giant crowd if they wanted Eddie to. Eddie Hearn promotes Andre too. I know, but, but Andre's not a draw and he's a, he's a no. low risk, high, high reward, low, you know what I'm talking about. You know where I'm going with that. Um, so in, and Canelo would like the idea of adding a, a real super middleweight. So Canelo seems to be all about what's, you know, what's history right now. So the zone could probably get behind that. Probably. Right. There's some things there. But here's the deal. I get Heel Canelo's perspective here. The perspective is this. I just had potentially a really hard fight with Jacobs. Now, it didn't turn out to be really hard, but stamina wise, you know, what I mean, it was a battle. And does he want to go right back into a, a brutal fight with Triple G where there's nothing at stake and he's already beaten Triple G twice and he has seemingly nothing to gain from it but money, which is already guaranteed. So it's not like we're saying he's going to fight, you know, uh uh, uh, good boy Gabriel next time. I mean, he wants to fight legitimate challenges with some kind of stakes at it. 
I mean, yeah, if he fought Andre, would that be a uh, interesting? Technically, yeah, it'd be f- fantastic. But Rafe, I don't know, man. Like they got a lot of money coming to him, and they need his fights to feel like Super Bowls. They need him to be the pay-per-view pillars along with the two Joshua fights per year. Well, this might be a question that that we ask our boy, the former HBO sports marketing executive, Evan Rutkowski of the Fistionados podcast. Wow, was that a plug? Uh, this might be a question for, for Evan in that is there an argument on the zone side for maybe marinating this a little bit by stringing out, getting both of these big names fighting at different times on their platform that they have a platform and using that to keep subscribers interested using that. Okay. So we got a triple G fight next month. Maybe by if, if these guys keep winning, it builds up that third one and keeps the subscriber base tuned in, plugged in on the zone for without in a way that, that they're, that people aren't signing in and like jumping on for 20 bucks, jumping off, jumping on for 20 bucks and jumping off. Maybe it's a, it, it can, they can use it as a way to, Keep sustained interest and sustained subscribers. I don't know if that's, I'm, I, that's, I don't know if I'm right. I don't know if I even believe that, but I would be curious to hear someone who knows the business speak to that idea. And I'm a DAZN subscriber, right? I'm paying my $9.99 a month. I heard Canelo was in the fold. I said, okay, you know, I know how Canelo operates. Yeah, he only faces the best. That's interesting, Rafe. I guess if you, Built this up for next May Cinco de Mayo fight. And what if in the meantime, Triple G fought Andrade and had a chance to get the fourth belt and come into the third trilogy fight with Canelo, giving Canelo the chance to be the undisputed middleweight champion? There's some history. Would Triple G beat Andrade at this point? I, I Look, it's obviously a dangerous fight for Triple G if they ever get there. But... Look, if Triple G can't beat Andrade, then I don't really care if he fights Canelo again either. If he's if he's fallen off to that degree, then good for Andrade. Let him fight Canelo with a win under Triple G over Triple G on his belt. I I still think that he's good enough to beat Demetrius Andrade, who I think is really really underrated. But somebody's gonna have to fight. He has to fight somebody eventually, and somebody's gonna have to step up and fight him. And I want I I, I don't. I just think that if 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 we're getting consistently good fights, even if they aren't the big fight, if we're getting good fights like Canelo, Callum Smith, Triple G after the dinner roll fight against D- Demetrius Andrade, if we're getting consistently good fights, then whoever wins them, wherever it leads, that's good for the sport. And I think fans, uh, the guy who beat Triple G is not a bad thing to be if that ever comes to that's to, true to, 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 to happen. And Tom Loeffler told me on this podcast last week that. Triple G uh, is also seriously considering moving to 68 for the right fight. So if he lost to Andrade and you and you lost some more of that sizzle to his name, he could do a, a fight at 68 rematches with Lemieux or Jacobs, and and you got big business, you got fun fights again. So that's not and the end of the world, clearly. Brian, remember at the beginning of when, of this deal with DeZone and Canelo when they signed it, we 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 were talking about it. We said, well. 11 fights, $365 million. How are they going to get their value out of this? Will Canelo fight the guys we want him to fight? It's all guaranteed money, right? But one, Canelo, throughout his career, you you do – that is the one thing, even at the peak of my Canelo-hating career, I – 
had to give him credit for stepping up to, to challenges. Now, he probably stepped up to those challenges with some confidence that he would get the rub in a lot of close rounds, but whatever. This is, let's not go, we don't have to relitigate that 700 times. Um, but, so Canelo is a guy who cares, for, who fights for his legacy in a way that we don't, we see a lot of fighters not really care about these days. He also, we said that it wouldn't be that bad given the sort of Mayweather standard of these long-term deals with gigantic superstars in the sport. If he takes more of a one for me, one for them type of approach to these 11 fights, is that my everything I've ever dreamed of as a boxing fan? No, but I can live with that. So if, if we do see him fight David Lemieux at 164 next, so, so Lemieux can make weight, something like that, is that a great fight? No. But it would be fun. Lemieux, Lemieux, it would be, it would be a, another version of Canelo Kirkland. And people loved that fight when it happened. Um, so if we get a one for, if, if he basically goes for a one tough fight, one softer touch, one f- tough fight, one softer touch throughout this deal, especially if he fights a little more frequently than yeah, two so, times a year, which well, it seems say, like he, he might be interested in now. I'm not going to complain about that. I I realize that that's the world we live in. Yeah, and to do your plan – sorry, I keep interrupting you. To do your plan, um, you'd have to fight three times though because he he's sticking to the Cinco de Mayo and Mexican Independence Day September dates, the the main September. He's sticking to those two, and you can't have a one for me during those two in my opinion. You can't have another Liam Smith on one of those two. You can fight – David Lemieux in December at the Garden, you know what I mean, like he did uh, Rocky Fielding. But I think you got to kind of keep those dates as big deals on the calendar for DAZN. And if and if we're mar- if, if they do go the marination route, I, I know this would be probably hard to pull off because Golden Boy do- might not want to risk a prospect. But you know what would help build some? What would be a nice little ingredient to throw in that Triple G Canelo three marinade? It would be. Triple G sending Jaime Mungia to hell and saying, I beat the guy who's coming up behind you. I beat the rising star from your country, and I want you next, Canelo. Uh, I want my Juan Manuel Marquez Pacquiao just deserves against you. You can't run no more. I'm coming to your home country and beating Jaime Mungia and cutting promos like a maniac. Um, Jesse Vargas. There are ways to marinate that in fun ways. There's guys coming up from 154 who I, I they aren't necessarily – I don't know – they might be pie in the sky, unlikely type fights to, to get made, but if you could get, uh, you know, if you could get a Jared Hurd, Jared Hurd coming up from 154, if there was some way to get him into a fight with one of those guys, damn, that would be fun. Mungia is there for one of them. Let Ray, me, let you that can't happen. Do that. You're not going to cross, you're not going to cross streams here. Dizone is staying right. in house. Um, I'm sorry. But, uh, I Jesse, Jesse Vargas on this pod though did say that he is, uh, he's going after Jaime Mungia. So that's a, that's a fun Dizone fight to make involving both Oscar and Eddie Hearn. So it'll be can interesting. You, let me ask you one thing, Brian. I'm, and I'm genuinely curious. I, who now, who are the fighters? Who's going to beat Canelo? If you have to pick oh. one or two guys, to get there, to be good enough, to catch him at the right moment. Name a fighter right. better than Chris Algieri that's going to get a win, get that first non-Floyd win over Canelo Alvarez. Does Floyd have to come back and do it again? Does it have to be a Kovalev, you are next, my friend, situation? What's gonna? Who can actually get this W over heel Canelo? There's a guy here from Sheffield that can actually serve you your ass. Not you spark out, and you don't like the, you don't like it. Uh, does the term 80k mean anything to you? 
Does a sellout. I would be so there for that, brother. Does a sellout at Wembley mean anything for you? Canelo and the Cobra? No, that's not happening. Um, all right, it's a great question. There's still the idea that Errol Spence, and if he comes out of the welterweight division and actually gets to, to fight, face Terrence Crawford, you know, has a body that would, that, that would work at 54 or Canelo weight or maybe even as a small middleweight. Interesting long-term play there. Um, Jarrett Hurd is interesting, but I feel like Canelo is too slick for him, even, even with Hurd being giant, giant. Both Charlos, I just don't think they have it to be a super elite like Canelo. You know, they, they still have time to prove it. And, but I just don't, th- I mean, I think Canelo's too, he's too slick. He's too smart. You know, I'm with you there and he's too big in some ways too. So, um, no, there really isn't. I mean, Triple G had the boxing IQ, the powerful jab and enough of a, a right hand to, to make Canelo not be able to take over the fight where again, two close fights. I thought he won both. And the first one I didn't think was that close. So, not old Triple G, not young Floyd Mayweather. Maybe somebody at sixty-eight. No, I mean, look, he'd beat a Callum Smith. He would. He can't fight any of the super, the PBC super middleweights, but he'd beat all of them in my eyes too. Maybe it would be going way out of his way at seventy-five for the wrong guy. So it is a Kovalev. You are next, my friend. Situation. I don't know, man. No, I might even Canelo is so good now that I might even I could I think I would favor him against Kovalev. Now what about Andrade? Is, could Andrade be the, the Swiss Army knife? Could he do what Jacobs tried to do but but wasn't able to pull it off? Is he quicker, longer, more creative, or is he just another in a way an Arislandi Lara that Canelo will just be smart, put on pressure when he needs to, and get the W? That's I, I think. Andrade has a shot to to have that kind of shutout performance. Maybe not shutout, but just sterling boxing performance and actually clearly outbox him. But I wouldn't at this point. I wouldn't. I wouldn't consider it likely. What about a wild card like Billy Joe Saunders, who can, who has a squirrely, almost Sergio Martinez style, has sneaky pop, can box. Yeah, I mean, it would be interesting. He's so unreliable. He, we don't know when, if and when he's going to make 160 again. Want to catch um, up but, with Canelo one of these days too? The decision thing, Rafe. And that's by, I'm going to be honest with you. That's part of why I picked Jacobs and stuck, stood by Jacobs and believed it would happen. I felt like eventually there would just be a night where the judges didn't like Canelo's flavor and it was a close fight and they gave it to the other guy. Look, it happened to Oscar eventually, right? Like it, it happened. It happened to, I mean, Tim Bradley, Manny Pacquiao, apologies to Brian Kenny, you nutcase. Um, yes, it, it eventually, there will be some bizarre thing that happens in a, in a fairly close fight, even perhaps in a not close fight, like Pacquiao Bradley won. Um, but I don't, how do we predict when that comes? I don't mean when will the judges screw up and give someone else a win. I mean, who at this point is is good enough to beat him? It's a great like, question. Like, that you would expect at this point. There, there, there are lots of guys who are good enough to beat I mean, him. Even the but Spence who at idea, this point do you think will do it? Even the Spence idea, we're talking about him moving up two weight classes. You know, like, he would have to start being active and blowing away the Thurmans and the and the Porters and then the the Crawford, he'd have to beat. You know what I mean? Like he'd have to do a lot to really. Then he'd have to prove he could beat like a Jarrett Hurd type guy. And I'm not saying that's impossible, but it doesn't seem like something that's going to happen. So I don't know. It's a great question, Rafe. But let's roll on to uh, the Triple G talk. All right, Triple G showed up that weekend. He had a hell of a heel week, as we saw coming in closer, because he changed the spelling of his name. He added an I. He said this is the way it was all along. 
and we were all getting it wrong. And he shows up at Canelo Weekend, has a press conference. We got Eddie Hearn's take on it. Uh, the press conference had um, sex toys, anal beads, uh, religion, voodoo dolls, donkey talk. I had a bit of everything. No, I had none of that. It had Jonathan Banks, though. Rafe, what the hell is going on here? So this was the – look, no one seemed to break this news. It was kept secret. Saturday morning, Triple G shows up. Even John Skipper's there, and he brings out Jonathan Banks. I'm very surprised by this. It makes sense relationship-wise that Banks was Klitschko's trainer. Tom Loeffler, the former K2 promoter who's now running Triple G Promotions and is still in the Triple G business. Uh, it makes sense the relationship-wise. It doesn't seem to make a lot of sense trainer-wise unless you're looking at it from the standpoint – the Triple G's 37. He's got the amateur background. He's more or less training himself, if you can believe that. Not necessarily Beboot Shumanov style, but you know what I'm talking about here. But I don't know. I don't think Jonathan Banks helped Klitschko. In fact, you can argue that Banks hurt Klitschko in his two most recent losses. So I, it didn't pop out to me as like if it was like a Joe Goosen or a Freddie Roach or someone where you're like, oh, wow, are they going to make him a little bit more reckless and offensive? Like, what's this going to do, Rafe? I think this lends credence it's it's unfair to say confirms the theory but it certainly lends credence to the idea that what triple g was shopping around for in a new trainer was not a trainer who was going to teach him something new about the sport give him a new element to his game get give him some kind of freddie roach miguel Cotto late career surge but instead a guy who would who would work for the money that triple g wants to pay and Triple G is comfortable with probably because of, you know, knowing, knowing, uh, Vlad Klitschko through K2 promotions and, and having that relationship and getting the, the word from Vlad that, yeah, yeah, Banks is a good, good enough dude. You'll be fine. Um, I don't know exactly what he wants, but it seems like he prioritized getting the, the, the right deal money wise that he wanted. And maybe he just trusts himself to train the way he wants to train and get himself ready for fights and as long as he's got a guy in the corner with him that he he feels okay with that's that's what he wants we'll have to wait and see in the ring if that turns out to be a good decision or a bad maybe he feels maybe he is one of these guys who basically is just training himself you know, time yeah, will tell. I mean, maybe just strategy-wise, maybe he knows what he's doing, and maybe he just needs somebody to keep the workouts in order and, and be there for him. I mean, I don't mean to completely downgrade Jonathan Bakes. It's just we haven't seen a lot from him at the highest level yet. Um, so he does this press conference, and I'll give him credit. He's been acting like a heel like crazy lately. Oh, sh- wait, 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 Brian. I just – wait, you know what? I think I'm coming all the way back around. I'm in on this. You know why? Is is Golovkin gonna get to wear the Kronk shorts? Cause I will, I might have to go oh, wow. rub one out for that. I mean, that oh, is awesome. That, come on, come on. I mean, I don't we know. know what this show is about. Oh God. No, 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 no. Okay, no, 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 no. Um, come on, Golovkin right, here's the deal. and Kronk for his, shorts. For his, Golovkin and Kronk shorts. Mm. Yeah, as, yes, I'm pumped. That's gross. Are you gonna crap in a bottle again? You got anything? You got any other fluids to give us? All right. Um. So he acted like a bad heel lately. Even Saturday night, hilarious, the heel stuff he put out. <laughs> but in this Saturday morning press conference, he was happy Golovkin again. He was the guy that I said last week was dead. And he was doing it in English too, Rafe. So maybe there's just something to the lack of trust. Relationship had gone too far, not only with Abel, but with his old management team, old old networks, like we said last week. Maybe it's just the complete changing of the scene 
has has restored him, but he seemed like a nice guy again. He had he had decent answers, but what do you make of his answers on why the Abel thing fell apart? Because the reporters there came at him with both Abel's comments about disloyalty and uh, Triple G had nothing but nice things to say about Abel at that point. And, a- and he basically said that it wasn't money that broke them apart, that it was the sec- it's, it seems to be the lack of strategy in the Canelo second fight. And since then, he's just decided now to go in a different direction. Who knows? Um, I, I don't know that 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 his explanation that he wanted that that going in a different direction would allow him to grow as a fighter. I kind of don't buy that. Um, but and it seems to me like a way to give a reasonable excuse with a criticism of Abel Sanchez that a lot of people have made before and that his in-ring strategy doesn't seem to compute, at least in any noticeable way. Uh, it never seems to say like the, what the fan or what, what experts think he should be saying in the corner. Um, so, so it's, it, he was using sort of like a pre-baked explanation that sounds better than, look, I didn't want to pay this guy. I, I, <laughs> I haven't made that much. I haven't made as much money as I think I deserve, and this is a huge contract, and I'm probably too old to get another one after this, in all likelihood. So I'm going to make a totally reasonable decision and be greedy. Yeah, I mean, it could be. He's going to start. He's saying he's been sharing long enough now. Start being greedy. Yes, yes, yes. F the needy. Yes. Um. Interesting. Look, hopefully, I mean, look, we expect him to blow away Steve Rolls, although Lou DeBella is constantly in my ear telling me Rolls is pretty good. But it should be a good short-term litmus test to see how Triple G looks at this age, how he looks with Jonathan Banks in the corner, all that, to try to build toward a bigger fight. It'll be interesting to see what that bigger fight will be. I hope if if uh, if, if Andrade goes after, beats Shuletsky... I'd like to see Triple A, Triple G Andrade. I think that'd be a really important fight to get Triple G back on the title map. Rafe, quickly, we got to wrap up. What else happened this weekend? I didn't see it. You watched the highlights from that ESPN card. You watched the main event. You better believe Archer Betterbeev knocked out Hot Rod Kalidjic. Uh, any thoughts? I just think, look, I, I shouldn't. I don't know if I am really in the best position to to say this because I haven't gone back and revisited all of Hot Rod Kalidjic's. Uh, collaborations. The only time I ever saw him fight was when he looked damn good and I thought he beat Marcus Brown. But Marcus Brown also looked like hot garbage in that fight. He's just very flat. I don't know exactly. Maybe, maybe, maybe Hot Rod just shut him down. Maybe I don't, I don't really know what happened. But so I thought he was a credible opponent, but I never thought that he was going to beat Better Beev. And people thought, people were out here talking about how, oh, Hot Rod's a great upset pick. Yeah, better be look, better be have got knocked down by a big puncher in Callum Johnson. Then he got up and knocked that mofo out. Better be have is a dangerous fighter. Is he perfect? He no. He gets hit. He got hit a, a bunch of times clean in just about four rounds through with with Hot Rod Kalajic. But you better be able to to deter him with the punches you're hitting him with. Otherwise, we'll see like he did in this fight. He walked straight through him like a hot knife through butter. Through butter, Brian, and just Put a whooping on him and got him out of there quick. It was he's a fun. Uh, keep this guy active, please, Uncle Bob, Grandpa Bob, top rank, uh, cousin Todd, everyone over there in Evan top Korn. rank. Please keep Better Bev active. Please do not leave him alone. Keep him in the ring because he's a fun fighter. I want to see him mix it up with these guys. He can box. He's got pedigree. And he's a big-ass puncher. What is there not to like about that? Speaking of Roxy, I saw her in person for the first time this weekend. 
please leave her alone, Brian. Thank you. Um, don't make me send don't don't make me send Nicomasias down there. You're still in L.A. for a few days. I, he will come down from Tehachapi and just get all up in your space. I like seeing uh, the corner man and the Alex Godinez interacting on Twitter because of the show. I like that. Right? If we're developing a community of of jackers, you know. Anyway, building bridges. It's what it's all about. I'm losing my voice here from illness, but let's wrap this up. Uh, Virgil Ortiz Jr. and the Canelo Comain looked. Fan friggin' tastic blowing away veteran Mauricio Herrera with a right hand from hell after he knocked him around a while and knocked him down once. Rafe, I was not fully woke on Virgil Ortiz Jr. 13 and 0, 13 KOs and big for this division. And he just moved up to this division. Still wants to go back down to 40 to win a title. Golden Boy's got something here, Rafe. I know Herrera's 6 and 7 in his last 13 fights and he's 38 years old, but you don't blow him away with one punch like you did, Rafe. No, uh, Ortiz, I, I think what really got, what convinced me, and it's funny, it wasn't, it, it was just secondhand, so maybe, maybe I shouldn't necessarily put as much weight into it, but in that interview series from a week ago when Robert Garcia was, you know, hit on the Abel Sanchez Triple G split and a bunch of other things, there's one moment in that where they ask him about Virgil Ortiz, who's training in their gym in Riverside, and Robert says, look, he, he hasn't, he doesn't have the resume yet to, to, to be put in this position, but if he stays at 147, I, I, I think he could, not would, but I, he said, I think he could beat guys like Danny Garcia. So he thinks, he sees what this guy does in the gym and thinks that he's already good enough. Maybe he's not ready career wise, but already has the talent, the ability to go in there and compete at the top of these divisions. So whether it's 140, 147, yeah. Give me more Virgil Ortiz. Mm. And Joe Joseph Diaz Jr. with his new green hair uh handled Freddie Fonseca with ease. And the key here is this was Joseph Diaz Jr., a former featherweight title challenger, moving up to 130. And now he's able to go for the knockout. He's much stronger physically. Rafe, he looked fantastic. I know Fonseca wasn't necessarily world class here, but now he's calling out Tevin Farmer. That's a zone fight I can get into, Rafe. And did you, you were, I, I don't know if you were at the press conference towards the I end, whatever Eddie Hearn that. said this, but I did see Chris Mannix writing about it and a few other folks mentioned that Hearn has brought up this idea before of staging on zone. And why not? This is, this is why I, for all of Eddie Hearn's blowhardness, I still like the guy. I really like the guy because he's entertaining and he comes and he's willing to think outside the box, come up with fun ideas. Do you hear this thing he's suggesting about doing a matchroom versus golden boy mega card? Yes. Now it doesn't necessarily have to have Canelo on. It doesn't have to have AJ on. It doesn't have to have the biggest stars, but imagine like a, a Virgil Ortiz versus a 140 guy from, from, from matchroom or does golden boy have any kind of Second, second rate heavyweights to throw in there with Dave Allen or David Price. I mean, just like Tyshawn this sort Dong. of secret wars type thing where it's like promoter versus promoter. And you know, I mean, the fans, fan, boxing fans right now are the hardcores are all in on these promoter wars. Why not turn it into a show? Yes. That's awesome. They could do a home and home, one in Staples Center, one in the O2, or if they get a big name involved, if they can bring the Cobra back on one of these cards to fight uh, Danny Jacobs at one, oh no, that's the same one, to fight Canelo at one, uh, whatever. If we can get the Cobra in, it gotta happen at Wembley. Oh, oh man, it's all, it's all about, it's all about the lube, man. It really is. Um, also, Rafe Saddam Ali was shockingly in his return back to welterweight sent to hell by Anthony Young. Uh, wow, Rafe, I guess that's the end. 
for now for Saddam yes, Ali. Yes, please. Let's cue Prince Nassim. Yes, I think he should finish. Um, also on this undercard, John Ryder, who was supposed to be in the co-main against David Lemieux, he knocked out some guy that you never heard of, and he looked great. The guy's name is Bilal Akaway for a vacant interim WBA super middleweight title, which is a BS title, but I wonder if they prop up Danny Jacobs to fight this guy, John Ryder. John Ryder's a fun fighter. He's not great, though. He's going to get beaten by any elite, but there's a belt that's just waiting for a, a Canelo or Jacobs to go after and take, Rafe. Good. Let's make some fun fights. All right. Let's get into um uh this weekend. Do you care and all that? You ready? You in on this? You down with this? I'm ready. I'm ready. You I have nothing I, else I to have say, not right? Look too far into the future, so I'm I'm, I'm I, let's let's try not to care too much. You, no, there's no other news we need to hit up, right? Nothing else happened in box. No, no, no. We covered it. No, no, no. 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 Okay, okay. I want to start you off with Friday night from your backyard, Rafe, of Corona, California. That's that's kind of right. That's quite close. Yeah, I've been there. Okay, it's a showbox card, and it's Ruben Villa versus Luis Alberto Lopez. Ten rounds featherweights. Do you care? Uh, as my showbox answer, as always, is I will listen to the Showtime Championship Boxing Podcast with Eric Raskin and Kiernan Mulvaney, yes. and uh, they'll probably make me care. Right now, I don't care. All right, we have a Friday Eddie Hearn smaller DAZN Brit card from Nottingham, England, and it's Lee Wood versus Ryan Doyle for Wood's Commonwealth Featherweight title. I care about anything that happens in Carl Froch's hometown. I will say the co-main is Jordan Gill. You need to watch this guy. He's a featherweight. He's fantastic, dude. I called one of his uh his own Brit fights back when they were giving out free money. Uh, he's he, do you know he's trained by that guy Dave? You know that 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 guy Dave Caldwell, the, the four the guy who trained uh, David Hay, right? Yeah, Caldwell. That guy's a good trainer. Yeah, you got to watch this kid, Jordan Gill. He's fantastic. All right, Friday night Springfield Mass, Rafe UFC Fight hey. Pass. Naismith Hall, Basketball Hall of Fame. I think it's at that new casino they put there, the new MGM. Uh, Abraham Shout Nova. Shout out to Kevin Freeman, UConn Huskies. Versus Mario Ezequiel Sayal Lozano, 10 rounds junior lightweight. We, you know, we don't care about no, this crap. No, 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 no. 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 Uh, also uh, Friday night in Burbank, California, untelevised, but this is kind of in your backyard. Via Sheslov. Bash, baby. Via Cheslov Shabransky versus Alan Green, 8 rounds light heavyweights, Rafe. Oh, I think I know what I'm doing that night. Wow, you probably get free tickets for that, right? I, I like to pay my own way so I don't have to say thank you to anyone. Oh wow. Also on Friday night in London, untelevised in the States, there's a there's a one night middleweight tournament, three round fights called Ultimate Boxer, and it's two X's in Boxer. Why not just go triple X, Rafe, at this point, right? <laughs> I mean that way at least you can get Yusuf Mack on the card. Oh god. Uh also Friday in Hollywood, Florida, untelevised, Livon Navarro versus Brightest Prescott, ten rounds welterweights. Do you care, Rafe? No, sir. All right. Do you care about deep on that undercard? You ready for deep? All right. There's a Ray Austin I'm, heavyweight fight on deep on the undercard. I am ready for deep. Remember Ray Austin, the guy that uh, Klitschko beat with left hooks in that title defense? <laughs> He's deep on the undercard in a six-round fight, but Oliver McCall, who's in his 50s, oh, no. will take on Elisa Castillo, who's in his late 40s, eight-round heavyweight bout. Oh man, I feel so dirty right now. Good yeah. lord. I mean, I, I'm, I care, but in like a way that I'm just curious and I, I feel bad about myself and the world. I, I'm, yeah, yeah, I'm like, I'm gonna need to like do some community, like, like, like seriously 200 hours of community service after oh, that fight. God. All right. Well, Friday sucks for boxing, but Saturday is really damn good, Rafe, and I'll tell you where it starts. Are you ready? Let's do this thing. Saturday from Tucson, Arizona. It's an ESPN card, Rafe. Set your DVRs unless you're going to watch it live. The title fight in the main event is a rematch. Miguel Perchelt defends his WBC junior lightweight title against Francisco Vargas. Bandito is back, Rafe. This first fight was 
fun as crap and Burchelt won it. Now we're going to do it a second time, Rafe. You got to expect a war. Um, I care. I like this fight a lot. I am more of the, I'm one who is more of the opinion that Francisco Vargas had the, the toll of those wars he was in with, um, that Takashi Miura one, and Orlando. Yes. Salido. Thank you. Takashi Miura. And then the Salido fight, those wars, he, I don't think he's the same fighter. Now he took the time off and he sent Rod Salka to hell while Rod Salka was wearing the build the wall shorts. And that was great. <laughs> but that gave us but, this moment, Rafe. No, wrong one. You know what that gave us. That gave us this. So he shot his load, and now he's getting pummeled. You're getting pummeled after he shot his load. Um, Hopkins is the best. By the way, I loved in your interview with Bernard Hopkins hearing that that's happening this weekend too. He's getting yes. an honorary doctorate from Temple University. Shout out to that's the, Even on a strong boxing day on Saturday – that's my favorite boxing story of the week. B-Hop getting the doctorate from Temple University. I hope John Cheney is there to give it to him. That would just be magic. Remember when John me, Cheney Brian. tried to kill John Calipari that time? That was, <laughs> that was another fantastic moment in Atlantic 10 history. Yes, yes sir. Yes, yes. Um, so, Rafe, this Burchell Vargas fight's going to be magic, all right? Uh, I think Burchell's going to blow him out. He beat him yeah, convincingly. You see, you convincingly think Bandito's washed. He's going to blow him out. I think it's going to be like the Roman fight. Uh, I hope not. All right. The, we care a lot about this co-main event. Emmanuel Navarrete rematch for the WBO Junior Featherweight title against what a night for Ghana boxing. Hello, Grandpa. Isaac Dogbay. Rafe, Isaac Dogbay took a beating in this fight that really hurt his momentum where he told us on this podcast, what did he say he planned on winning titles in the next six weight classes above him and becoming the next paper? have to pump the brakes on that. Uh, we still love him, but Rafe, this is a tough test, man, because Navarrete's taller. He's got a stiff-ass jab. How does Dog Bay do it, and can he do it, Rafe? Everything we saw in that first fight, even though Dog Bay said that he didn't train as well as he should have or just didn't have the right kind of camp, whatever the, the excuses are, even if all that is true and he comes in the best version of himself, this just looks like a nightmare style matchup for Dog Bay, who's not a super polished fighter. When he was, when he beat Magdaleno, he was getting outboxed at times. It was just that he was tenacious and athletic and, and strong in a way that, that Magdaleno couldn't keep up with. Navarrete has a stick. That jab, that length, he, he countered, he throws really good check hooks that, that he almost couldn't miss Dog Bay with the first time they fought. It was a, it was an ugly loss for Dog Bay. And this is like a borderline, this is like a runner-up ball sack of the year type fight for Dog <laughs> Bay to jump right back into. Um, I, I'm afraid it's not going to work out. I gotta, I have to favor the Navarrete. Inside that big scrotum, scrotum, is huge, huge testicles. He's got real big balls. Rave, what's, real, real big balls. Shout out to T, and, shout out to T Street. What's better, the scrotium or the testicles in that one, Rave? I, I'm a scrotium guy myself. Possibly shot his load and. Oh god! All right. Uh, yeah. Errol Spence by murder. Um, this is a big gift for people. This ESPN card. I'm really looking forward. I don't even have a prediction. I just want to see if Dog Bay can do it. This is going to be fun. I care about this Fox card. Fairfax, Virginia, which apparently is like Dan Rayfield's town. He said he has like a two minute commute to this. So hey, shout out to Dan Rayfield. Rafe, are you going to care about this? Because I do. Watch the face to face episode. PBC. It's out there. Jarrett Hurd defending his IBF and WBA junior middleweight titles against Julian J. Rock Williams. Rafe, I've had extensive time sitting down with both guys. They're both hungry. This could be fun, Rafe. Julian Williams, a better boxer, I think, than people realize. He was winning on the cards against Charlo before he got sent to hell with that uppercut. 
He's a tough fighter. I think he can really push Hurd, but I can't get a feeling that he can either outbox or outlast Hurd. And that's the, what you're facing at 154 against a junior middleweight like Swift who's that big, who just wears your backbone down, Rafe. Yeah, I think J-Rock, until he proves otherwise in a big fight like this, people are going to, I think, fairly question his chin, his durability, whether or not he can get through 12 rounds against another dangerous, big-punching, light middleweight. And Jared Hurd is definitely that. You know, he he's going to put all that pressure on him. He's going to put all that body on him. He's going to throw a, a, lot, a ton of punches. And I'm sure J-Rock will look good for moments of this fight, but I, I just have to expect uh, I have to expect Jared Hurd to wear him down and eventually get a late stoppage. It's crazy that I uh, have when I talked to Hurd, he said that he lost an amateur fight early on in which he gassed out after dominating a guy. He kind of you know, you know. Yeah, yeah, we know what he did. We yeah. shot some. That he vowed from that day forward to never gas out in a fight, and that's why he's built this insane uh stamina. But yet, to have a body that big, that you're like, how the heck does he make this division? And yet, at the same time, have insane stamina. He's a real athlete, Rafe. He's a beast, man. You know, he still lives at home. You mentioned that. He's an interesting guy. I want, like, the more I learn about him, the more I hear about him, more I look at his, he's got a great Instagram account. He's doing, like, like crazy ass gymnastics, tumbling that, that no man that big and powerful should be able to do. Uh, he is, I, I like him a lot. I want to see more of him. Yeah, yeah, no. I want the whole herd. Yeah, no doubt about it. I'm, I, I'm Brian. Yeah. Wait, Let me ask you real hold on, quick. One second. You know, I'm tired of getting the taste of them. I want the whole load. Thank man. you. Thank the you. whole, the whole herd. Yeah. yeah I want, I'm tired gotta, of the taste. I want do. the whole herd. Let's look. I wanted at the entire man. <laughs> All right. Tell me about this man, Ray. Um, no, I was shoot. Now I can't even remember where oh, I had this great God. idea. I was going to ask you. Now I got did Dwyer it, in my head. Did it involve? Oh, what if? Oh, but let's turn back the clock a little bit. Let us let, revisit the undercard of was it? It was Triple G Canelo 2, right? When Hurd fought that Backstreet Boy and blew no, him out? No, that Wilder. was Mugia. He fought a Backstreet Boy on the undercard of Fury and Wilder. Yes. So I talked and, to him about that. And fight. didn't look good. Well, here's what I talked to him about that fight. He was coming off a of shoulder surgery. He knew the guy didn't have any power. He was going to try some stuff for the first three or four rounds. And the other guy kept going for it. He kept putting together combinations and going for it. And at first it was just annoying him and he was getting frustrated because he was trying to try stuff with like different hooks and setups on his jab. And finally, I, don't, I think it was Jason Wellborn was the guy's name. You remember that from ringside? Finally, he put it on Hurd and Hurd was like, Hurd told me like, you know, Oh, yeah, he hurt me for like a split second. Like he got my attention and then the next round Hurd came out and demolished him. So it wasn't that he was rusty. He, he was effing around trying to get a triple double basically. Like remember when Donald Royal tried to get that triple double by like missing a shot on purpose and then who was the coach? Doug Collins walked the rest of the Pistons off the floor. Remember that? For the magic? Yeah, you don't do that. Ricky Davis tried that one too. Yeah. 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 You know, you know where I'm going with that. Maybe that's, maybe I'm thinking Doug Collins is Ricky Davis and, uh, I don't know. Maybe it's your bull. It's got to be your bull, Brian. But um, I'll buy that excuse. I'll buy that excuse for Hurd. I will say that I don't think he can afford to fight like that against Julian Williams, though. So let's hope that he was telling the truth because he needs to come out and be the Jarrett Swift Hurd that that takes souls, that takes men's 
Cole Soul. Yeah, let me analyze the tip. Um, the co-main event, I don't really care about. Tell me if you do. Mario Barrios versus Juan Jose Velasco, 10 rounds junior welterweights? No, no. All right, Matvey Korobov is back, the middleweight against Emmanuel Alim, 10 rounds. I don't care about this fight. After Korobov wins, I want to see him in another good middleweight fight. All right, pushed down pretty deep on this undercard is a guy that you and I both care about, the Egyptian magician himself, Ahmed Elbiali, taking on Jaime Solario, eight or ten rounds, your choice, light heavyweights. Man, I don't care. John, when you get exposed by late career John Pascal, I got to stop caring. I'm sorry. Stop it. That's our guy, Elbiali. Good dude, man. We're Facebook friends. He's a good dude. All right. Uh, Rafe, I think that's it. Oh, Saturday in Magdeburg, Germany, Robin Krasniki takes on Stefan Hartel for Krasniki's European super middleweight title. You care? Hell no. Uh, Monday from Tokyo, Maruti Mathlane versus Masayuki Kuroda for Mathlane's IBF flyweight title. Yeah, I know people are into that kind of stuff. I'm, I'll wait and see. If it's a good fight, I'll, I'll catch it on the YouTubes. All right. Next Wednesday in Sydney, Australia, Tim Zhu, oh son of Kostya Zhu, against Joel Camilleri, 10 rounds junior middleweights. Tim Zhu is calling out Jeff Horn, right? I want to see him win. I want to see them make that all Australia Duco dream fight. Jeff Horn. Who's Jeff Horn? Nobody. I don't, I got so many different disrespectful things that I can say right now. I don't even want to do it because that was back then. Doesn't even matter now. But, uh, Amir Khan can beat Jeff Horn. Oh, come you know on. I don't even know if Terrence Crawford can beat Amir Khan. Amir Khan is a better fighter than a lot of his competition lately. So, I just, uh, I know there's a lot of people I respect Terrence Bud Crawford. I just don't respect him at 147 yet. You better. It's going to steal your soul, Keith. All right, come on. All right, Rafe, that'll do it. I'm, I got I got nothing left, all right? That's the show for this week. Thank you, sir. I'm glad you're back from the Philippines. I hope to revisit some collaborations with you. Um, are you well? Everything's good in your life? I'm with you, Brian, and it's great to be with you. Anyway. I think we're out. Yeah.